scripture lesson this morning comes from the 14th chapter of John's Gospel, verses 23 through 29. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. Because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. This is the word of the Lord. If anyone loves me, they will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to make our home with them. That sounds simple, doesn't it? It sounds so simple, so peaceful, so life-giving. If it's so simple, if Jesus Christ has promised his followers that if they love him and keep his commands, that there will be peace in their hearts and that God will dwell in their hearts and in their home, then why do non-Christians have such an easy time finding reasons to reject the God who made them? That's a question that I think we all need to ask ourselves right now. But I think that's something that we really should be asking ourselves every single morning that we wake up. Am I following Jesus the way that he has called me to follow him? Or am I going my own way? What is the way that I am living my life telling other people about the Lord that I serve? Many of us believe that we're great multitaskers, right? That seems to be a skill that's rewarded and valued in our society. The more that you can do at the same time, the more productive you can be. And the more productive you can be, the more worth you have with the people around you. And it makes sense that if we are so focused on being great multitaskers to increase increase our productivity, to increase our worth around us, then it makes sense that that would carry over into our faith life, too. We have to be great multitaskers with those things that make us great Christians. And as good Christians, we believe that we have to do what Jesus has told us in its entirety. We have to do everything, and we have to do it well. We have to be forgiving and merciful and compassionate. We have to offer dignity to those who need to experience dignity. We have to provide food for the hungry. We have to clothe the naked. We have to visit those people in prison. We have to visit the sick. We have to take care of the elderly. We have to raise up the children and the faith. That's a lot, isn't it? But we've got to do it. As good Christians, we don't smoke or drink or cuss or bet at the golf course. As a really good Christian... We don't spend more money than is absolutely necessary so that whatever we have extra can go to building God's kingdom, whatever that may look like. An excellent Christian leads Bible studies or at least attends them. Good Christians go to church every Sunday that they aren't at the beach. And they read their Bible every morning and noon and night and those in-between times. They pray without ceasing. Sounds to me like these good Christians, and they're pretty perfect people. Good Christians don't talk ugly about people. They're meek, they're mild, they're patient. They're full of goodness and charity. Good Christians never slip up and sin. The more I talk, 
the more I feel like a pretty awful human being. I'm clearly not a good Christian, not by this standard. There's no chance I could ever be a good Christian according to this standard. There's no chance I could be good enough to be a Christian because I'm just not that good at holy multitasking. It sounds like being a Christian is a pretty exclusive club, doesn't it? There's no chance that a Christian club would ever allow someone like me entry. Maybe I should just stop. Maybe I shouldn't lead so many Bible studies. Maybe I shouldn't go to so many Bible studies. And maybe I shouldn't even come here as often as I do on Sunday mornings if it's not taking. I still struggle with addiction. I still drink too much alcohol, use language that I shouldn't, or abuse relationships when I know it's not the right thing that I'm called to do. I find that I still struggle with choosing my computer and other technology over relationships around me. I choose my friends or my coworkers over my children. Maybe this Christianity thing just isn't what I'm cut out for. See, I don't care how good of a multitasker you believe you are with many things. If you're trying to do every single one of these things that good Christians do, you're going to end up dropping the ball at least once a day. And if we're really honest with ourselves, every one of us are going to end up dropping a whole lot of balls every day we wake up when it comes to living out our faith. We get so caught up in making sure that we're getting the specifics and all of these measurable details just right, we end up failing. And we chalk it up to the fact that maybe we aren't as good of a person as we believed we once were, or we can't be that Christian that God has called us to be. It's no wonder non-Christians have such an easy time rejecting the God who made them in the faith that we believe. At the very best, they don't think they can ever live up to it. And at the very worst, they don't believe it's making enough of a difference in our lives to even bother spending time on. You see where I'm going with this? You see where Jesus was going with this with his disciples? See, Jesus spent his entire ministry going about from town to town telling people that it doesn't matter how broken you are. Just follow me. You don't have to be perfect before you start following me. Just do it. Learn from me. Watch how I love these people who are broken. Watch how I continue to love these people who are already following me and have been for so long and are still broken. Watch how I reach out and I touch the untouchables. Watch how I go and I have a heart-to-heart conversation with the person who has to have that soul-to-soul interaction with another human being to know that they are worth loving. Watch how I go and I eat in the home of the one I called out of the grave just a few days before. I did not condemn any of them for their brokenness, did I? What I did was point out the way they were living, and then I told them, hey, there's a better way. There's a way to live more fulfilling and more faithful lives. But I never told them they wouldn't struggle with their brokenness. What I told them, and what I tell each of you, is that even while you are broken, I will embrace you. And I will love you and I will dwell in your home and your heart if you love me. That sounds more like an open invitation into a loving relationship, doesn't it? That doesn't sound so much like a checklist that's so impossible to fulfill. It doesn't sound like a prerequisite to get into some kind of exclusive club. I think Christians fail a lot at being good disciples. That's just the nature of being a human being. It's all throughout the Bible. We're not the first ones to mess up. We want to do so well at what we do that we end up focusing so intently on those things that make us feel like we will succeed. And we get so locked in on those different aspects of the faith of what it means to be a good Christian 
that we end up missing the central message of what Jesus was living. Keep my word. So what is that word? The word is love. It's that love that's unconditional, unending. It has no ulterior motives. It's a love that goes beyond borders and races and socioeconomic classes. It's a love that's born of the Holy Spirit and it is strengthened by God's grace and mercy. If we can keep that word, if we can love with all that we are and all that we have no matter what, if we can put our petty differences aside for the sake of building God's kingdom, we will find that the God that we seek to serve, He's already in our midst. Instead of us chasing after this God that we feel that we can never keep up with, we'll find that we're already walking with more confident steps, with lighter hearts, and with that peace in our souls that passes any comprehension we can have. All of a sudden, by keeping this word of love, we find that we become more and more like the Christ that we seek to serve. That may feel strange. It may feel awkward, and it might mean that people will treat you differently. And that's okay. You see, we've been called to be holy. And to be holy means that we have been called to be set aside, to be different, to be something else. We've got a purpose. And that's what we've been set aside for. So fitting into this world that, that seems so chaotic and full of so much evil, maybe that's not what we're called to do. Maybe we shouldn't fit in so well. Maybe that shouldn't seem so normal. But if we keep the command of love in the midst of a world full of chaos and hatred, we should stand out. And when we do stand out, may we be ready to point those people looking at us to the God who has called us aside for a certain purpose. And may we teach them the word that is already dwelling within us. See, being a good Christian isn't about fulfilling an impossible holy checklist. I doubt that that will ever bring us any closer to God. Being a good Christian is all about starting with the love of Christ in our hearts. It's about starting with Jesus in our lives. And if we can do that, we will find that we are already keeping that word.